The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. back to Cardboard Cave. First episode in two months. Um, if you stuck around after that last episode, thank you everybody. Uh, just a quick note on that. Um, I immediately regretted posting that episode, but I had more feedback than ever and it was all positive. So uh, thanks everybody. But yeah, you won't hear anything like that again because we're going to be all games today. And before we start, I have a special guest who has been mentioned but never heard on this podcast. Uh, who's expressed discontent for uh, not being heard, I would say. So, I have Kelby here. Hello. Kelby is my sister-in-law, and she's also one of the very select few people in our lives who will play any game, anytime. So, that makes her a cut above other humans. So, <laughs> Also, well, Trevor should definitely get commission off of all the board games my fiancé and myself have bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to any game companies if you're looking for a representative. <laughs> yeah, and Kurt's going to get mentioned at least one other time in this episode if I remember something specific. But Kurt, uh, Kelby's fiance, is probably, well, doesn't currently live here in the state. But if so, I would say it would be another person I could count on to literally play anything. So, um, but yeah, Kelby's on very specifically for this episode because there's a game that me and her and my wife Anna have played uh, quite a few times now, and I don't want to bury the lead or whatever the saying is, but we're wanting to talk about it. And Kelby specifically wanted to be on this episode, so hopefully she don't pull the rug out from under me and it's like, gotcha, and she just really hates the game, but we'll see. (laughs) Before we get into the topic, which is Underwater Cities, if you can't read the title of the episode... Um, I usually want to talk about the games I played since the last episode, and although it's been two months, we've only actually played, well, Underwater Cities. We've played it four times since last recording, which is pretty awesome for a bigger game like this, for us, with a little baby and everything. I say little baby, he's almost two now, good grief. Hmm. Um, Speaking of, that's where Anna is. I was really hoping she would join us for this one, but he is not wanting to go down, so we're just going to do this with two. Um... But we also played two other games since I last recorded, and they're going to be real quick to talk about. Um, Ticket to Ride Europe is a game, if you're listening to this podcast, you might have played it. But we're going to eventually do a Ticket to Ride episode. I just think it's something you need to do. Um, I'll just say, if you've not played Europe, it is the second Ticket to Ride that came out, right after the original. Um, The big difference with Europe, I always think of it as the friendly Ticket to Ride, if there is such a thing. Because you have these stations you can play down on any city that doesn't already have a station. And you can use one route going into that city, any route, no matter who has played on it. So, like, if there's a route and I'm blocked out from finishing one of my tickets, I can basically use one of those routes coming out of that city to finish a ticket. 
So certain key points on the board, that's a pretty big deal. Although you do gain points if you don't use them. Yes, yeah, three points per one you don't use. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not an advantage to play them unless you need to. But it definitely uh, can save you. Also, it's the first one that introduced the ferries, which is just uh, paths that go over water that require at least one locomotive. Um, other than that, I mean, the big difference is it's Europe. And if you're a dumb American like me, it makes it twice as hard just trying to figure out where everything is uh, compared to the America map. But it's it's a good map. I mean, I, I don't think there's a bad Ticket to Ride map, honestly. Um, but it's a good one. And it's one that I pull out when I feel like maybe, well, when we have like four or five players and I feel like maybe people don't want to be constantly blocked, I think because of the stations, that makes it a good choice. Um, is that the first time you played the Europe map? Is when we yes. Played? Although I'm terrible at geography period, so the American one versus, or the U.S. one versus the European one is not any different to me. <laughs> no big difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's then, pretty bored, though. It is a pretty board. All of all of tickets ticket to rides art is gorgeous, and that's oh, what yeah. makes each different. I mean, you could literally have every single version and appreciate each of them equally and play them just for fun because the art is so pretty on the cards and oh yeah, such. yeah. Days of Wonder, who makes Ticket to Ride? Now it seems like every other company makes beautiful games, but they were in a league of their own. And so Ticket to Ride, when I first got the original, and then each one after that is they really stood out. And they still do, but you know now, kind of everybody's had to up their game to keep up. Um, mm-hmm. But the other game we played, besides Underwater Cities, since last recording, uh, was just today. And it was the first time any of us had played it. It's Ticket to Ride Amsterdam, which is one of the games in the trilogy, I think is what they're calling it, of Ticket to Ride Express, which is basically Ticket to Ride New York, London, and Amsterdam. They're all named after cities instead of a whole you know, country, um, like Ticket to Ride usually is. But the main difference here is it is Ticket to Ride in 10 or 15 minutes. And that's exactly what it is. It is not Ticket to Ride Junior, which is its own thing. Uh, First Journey is what they call that. Mm-hmm. It is not that. This is truly Ticket to Ride. But you only start with two cards instead of four. You only start with two destination tickets, have to keep one. Other than that, you draw two cards at a time like normal. If you draw destinations, you draw just two at a time. But you only start with 16 trains. Or in this case, it's wagon carts. Right, that's the other cool thing. Amsterdam has wagons. Um, London has double-decker buses. And New York is taxis. So that kind of changes it up and is kind of neat. I would say probably the biggest disadvantage is you get blocked really quick because the board's tiny. Yeah, Yeah, I was... You gotta change your playing method, kind of. Yeah, and that's something that I think I make a mistake every time I play a new Ticket to Ride. They don't all play the same. They look like they would, but they don't. And some of them, like the original American map, you need to be making big, sprawling routes across the map and then drawing destination tickets like it's going out of style. But in these little express ones, you got to be careful. Like, I finished one ticket. And I finished second, but only completed one ticket. Um, This one does add the little twist of the merchandise cards you pick up. Around the outside of the map, there's barrels uh, barrels on certain routes. Basically, it's to give you a little bonus for doing the outside of the map. I don't, um, I don't remember what the London one is, but the New York one has uh, extra points for certain ports that you stop at or certain stations you stop yeah. at. So each of them have their kind of their own little extra thing added in there to help with points. Yeah. And it's just a small twist because this is a 15. Honestly, the t- <laughs> what's so amazing about these little... 
I mean, I probably would still pick any of the big brother ticket rides, you know, the main ones. But to have Ticket to Ride or any board game in 10 or 15 minutes in a small box is honestly pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you compare it to, say, I don't know, Ticket to Ride Marklin or just regular Ticket to Ride, um, I would probably pick those. But if you compare it to, okay, we got 10 minutes to kill, we can play a round of... I don't know, Uno, I, I should probably pick a different game, but I don't know, just some simple dice game, Martian dice, zombie dice, or we can play full Ticket to Ride, but truncated down to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably going to pick that. And it's definitely not an overwhelming thing for somebody who's kind of new, newer to, to board games and who is kind of used to just Uno or something simple yeah. like that. It's a good, I would pull it out, you know, if I had another had another couple over for dinner and we could just yeah. eat and I could introduce it and play real quick even before the bigger ticket to ride because it's a little more yeah. overwhelming. Um, but it's a good it's a good startup game and a good I would say it's a good party game or small dinner type yeah. game. I've taken it to restaurants before um, when we've got done eating and pulled it out among, you know, a couple of friends and it's just a good little easy to travel game too because mm-hmm. it's a pretty small box. So Yeah, I mean it's and it costs twenty dollars retail. I paid fifteen bucks at Barnes and Noble with a discount. Um, it's 15 or 16 bucks online. I mean, it is, you can't beat it for that. Now, if you're just comparing it to the full ticket to ride games, there's not like a big twist or anything that makes them really stand out. But again, for what it is, a filler game, like I can't think of another game in 15 minutes that I would rather play. I tend to like games that are, you know, in the more hour plus range, Mm -hmm. you know, around an hour, even two hours. Seems to be our sweet spot. Um, but for 15 minutes, I can't think of anything much better. Because even games like I love Jaipur, uh, Morales, Lost Cities. But all three of those games, I think, are 30 minutes, give or take, maybe 40 minutes even. Well, and typically yeah. you think of a 10 to 15 minute game as either a dice or a card game. You don't yeah. have all the elements. And it's got all the elements yeah. of Ticket to Ride in it. It's, <laughs> it's just not missing quick. anything. Yeah, it's, it's, just it's quick. really not. So, yeah, I can't rank all three. You're actually the only one that's played all three because I've not played mm-hmm. London for some stupid reason. Um, I think Kurt has London. Yeah. So we'll have both. I, I would say I really enjoyed the Amsterdam one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think I enjoyed it more than New York. It felt. I think the twist of collecting the barrel cards is basically a simple stock system. Whoever has the most gets the most points at the end. It's pretty fun trying to pronounce the cities in it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think it's a winner. I don't, I mean, unless you're crazy like I am, you don't need all three of the 15-minute ticket rides. Pick the city that appeals to you most, but mm, the they're same, all different in their own right. For me, just having a new map is worth the fifteen bucks they yeah. cost. So. And they're pretty. They're all very. The boards are oh, yeah. totally different. Cause oh yeah. The the New York one is almost like a passport. It's got all kinds of cool, like mm-hmm. more graffiti type art on it. And then obviously, and it's a long map too. Yeah, and Amsterdam is is like a, an old school, ancient, you know, kind of road map. Looks like it's on a scroll thing. almost. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't remember what London looks like. I haven't played it in a while. London is, I think, the most uh, colorful, if I remember right. It's it's really bright and colorful. Probably. So yeah, those are pretty much the games we played since we recorded last, except for Underwater Cities. So. Let's go ahead and get into our topic, Underwater Cities. Okay, Underwater Cities is a, and I should have had this pulled up, 
because usually games are never categorized the way I would categorize it. How would you categorize underwater cities? Like if you're trying to tell somebody who knows games what kind of game it is. I mean, I would say that it's like a a, a moderately complex like building game almost. I don't know what the correct yeah. terminology is for that, but you're it's it's not necessarily you're not cooperating with your teammates, but you definitely have to be cooperative with yourself <laughs> as far yeah. as like each move you're making within the round. Um, to work towards, you're working towards the greater goal of, of accomplishing, you know, the best city, but, um, it's, it's definitely a building metropolis type game. Yeah. And honestly, I'd have a hard time. Like, um, uh, this game's going to come up later, so I don't want to draw on it now, but if somebody said, explain terraforming Mars to a board gamer, I'd say terraforming Mars is an engine building game, a card yeah, playing engine building, engine building game. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, multiple elements. <laughs> underwater cities is, yeah, it's a lot more than that. So I, It's true. It's definitely worker placement, even though it doesn't yeah. seem like it until you think about it. That's true. It definitely has engine building and card playing. Uh, Board Game Geek says hand management, okay. Network and route building. Yes, it does have that on your individual sense. boards. Um, worker placement. City building. Yeah, so that makes sense. It is a game for 2018 from Vladimir Suchi. Suhi, sorry, I think that's Suhi. Vladimir Suhi, uh, actually, his game, uh, Last Wheel, was the first episode of this podcast. And I really enjoy Last Wheel. And, well. Last Wheel is very interesting. That's very unique. It is. I've not played another game like it. No. Yeah. Um, And. I'm trying to remember, besides this one, there's a third one. Uh, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but I have bought recently uh, Pulsar 2849 mm-hmm. uh, Shipyard, which is an out-of-print game that I actually ended up trading for, just because they're his games, honestly. And then his newest game, uh, which just came out, it's listed as 2020, but it's not been available until the last couple months, is uh, Praga Kaput Regni, mm. which is a big game like along the same weight of underwater cities. So, um, I've not bought a lot of new games recently, but I bought those because uh, I've become a bit of a fanboy. But underwater cities, quick overview, as quick as possible. Um, I'm, you're not going to learn the game from this explanation because it's just going to be too much. It does have a lot going on, but as gamers love to say, whether it's true or not, it's really not hard when you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But, basically, you have your own board in front of you where you're trying to build your underwater city. And you will be getting cards as the game goes to help you along with that. And you'll be placing your quote-unquote workers. um, Submarines. In my game, it's submarines, (laughs) which I'll get into where you can get some upgrades if if, if you want to. What is it in the original? It's I don't even... pretty disappointing. It's a tile, and it represents something. Oh, that's pitiful. But I thought, that's just dumb. Um, and these submarine upgrades were not very expensive, so... Hey, get yourself a 3D printer, and you can just print all your yeah. own pieces. <laughs> right. But the, uh, yeah, the... What do they call it, even? Action tile? It, I think it represents a door. Like, the door shut when you've... Because the space is on the board. The, there's a main board in the middle... You've got your mm-hmm. own personal boards. The main board in the middle is basically a place for everything, really, which is awesome. Um, you have space for the special cards. Uh, there's a little track called the uh, Prestige Track, I think it's called, right? 
Mm, no, it's not called prestige. Whatever it's called, it looks like a world record. The little yeah, thing. it's, it's like, like the politics track. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, Maybe I'll think of it. And then around the whole board is all the action spots where you can put your workers, and those do different things. Your cards do different things, but your end goal is pretty much building up your underwater city. But how do you do that? There are only three things you do on a turn, and two of them are just discarding and drawing a card. So the first thing you do, and this is clever, and I don't know why every game doesn't do this, the first thing you do is discard down to three cards. Mm -hmm. Most games tell you to discard down to whatever at the end of your turn. This lets you decide until it comes back to you. So you discard down to three cards at the start of your turn. Then you always do the same thing. You play a card at the same time as you put your worker down on a spot on the board. So you've basically got a card and action space. The trick is... You always get to do the action space that you pick. But you only get to do the cards, play the card basically, if it matches the color of the action space. Which is what? Red, green, yellow, blue? Uh, just just red, just just, red, uh, green, red and green, and yellow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just red, green, and yellow. And I'll probably get this backwards, but I think basically the red cards tend to be the most powerful, but the red spaces tend to be the worst. And green. green is just the opposite, I believe. Or I no, might have it backwards. The green I, yeah, ones are the, backwards. the not so great ones. Yeah. The red ones are the good ones. So the green cards tend to be the best. Yeah. <clears throat> but the green spaces tend to be the weakest. Right. But But they all do very different things, really, yeah. because there's things in each color section that you can't get in the other color right. section. There's at least one thing in each one that you're not it's gonna unique. be able to get, yeah, in mm-hmm. the other one. Because the red one is it the red one that's on on one side. That's the yeah. only one you can get lab upgrades. Like, there's no other right. way to get lab upgrades except for in the red. And there's no other way to get the the record, the track thing, unless yes. you're on the green. So, there's, you know. So, it's, it's balanced that way in that you may not necessarily want to do the better action. It depends what you want to do. But if you're playing a card that should be a little stronger, you're getting usually a little weaker action along with it. Um, but it's painful to play a card and it doesn't match the color because you're just throwing the card away. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you just don't care and you're just getting rid yes. of it. And you need it bad enough that it doesn't matter. And until you play the game, I don't know if that makes sense, but that is such a good decision in this game. Just a simple thing. I've never seen it before, and it might be in another game, but I, I don't think I've ever seen it, where you don't just put your worker down to do the action. You play the card at the same time, and sometimes you'll do a move that doesn't quite fit into your strategy, but the card is so good, you can't just give the card up. So you're going to pick maybe this green action that builds a tunnel, but what you really want to do is upgrade a lab. It's definitely with, a good know. balance, for sure. Yes. And that is your turn. Of course, the depth here is what the actions do, what the cards do. Um, but that's your turn. Then you draw a card at the end of your turn. And even if that brings you up to more than three, you have until the start of your next turn to discard. Um... And I'll go in a little more depth about some of those things, but basically that happens after a few rounds of that. Um, I should say everybody gets just three workers. So you're going to get to do that three times in a round. After that happens, you move on to the next round, and there's really not any upkeep. The turn order might change, and I'm not even getting getting all that. It's a small part of the game. The turn order might change, and you take your subs back, or tiles in the original game. Um, And you go again. And then after a few rounds, just three times during the game, there's the production phase. Production means you basically 
all your stuff you've placed, which I'll get into in a second, are going to produce things. The farms produce kelp. The desalination plants, um, what do they produce? Money. Money, yes, yep, yes. Money. Basically, you're turning salt water into drinkable water, and I guess yeah. that earns money. I always thought it was urine. Guess not. Yeah. <laughs> it's yellow. <laughs> You're producing urine and then people on the black market pay for urine. I mean, urine. I just thought it was, you know, like processing. Why is it yellow? I guess just to pick a color. I don't but. know. It is, it's very urine colored though. Well, these people got to go somewhere. Maybe you're turning urine into water. Maybe you're, you know, making dirty water reusable, period. It's de- deurination plants. De- yeah. That's why I asked you the name before we started because yeah. I was making, I couldn't remember yeah. the name. Uh, and then the labs, which produce science, which is something that's used in the game. Basically, things are producing things. Um, and you're earning that. Then you have to feed your cities, but don't run away. This isn't a Uwe Rosenberg game like Agricola. You simply pay one kelp per city you have. Um, or if you don't have kelp, the um, what are these called in the other games? Uh, there's starfish, which are biomatter. They, they biomatter. represent biomatter. There we go. You can. Those are basically a wild in some cases, yeah. so you can use those if you don't have food. But if you don't have food, what was the, what's the penalty? You can and like negative points. You know what? I've, I think I've always managed to feed my people, so I, I don't think even it's remember. Negative points. I think it's like negative ten points. I think the penalty it is. is pretty harsh. I think it is like ten points. Yeah, actually, pretty it's rough. probably here. Da, 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 feed your cities. Oh, it's three points per unfed city. Yeah. So, so well, yeah. it could be more than ten or less than ten, but. But I feel like if you're trying at all, once you know what you're doing, you're going to feed your cities. Yeah, as long as you don't really, as long as you don't forget. Yeah, as long as you don't forget. <laughs> um. It's just, it's not something that's in there, I think, to add a big... It's not like Agricola, where it's a crucial part of the game. It honestly just makes more sense with the theme. I mean, right, all games yeah. where you're building something, at the end of a production phase, you've got to sustain what you've built, you know? Right. So it's really just more part of the theme than it is... Yeah, I never anything. yeah I never felt like it was a big limiting factor. Nah. It doesn't keep me from building cities. Although, unless you're struggling to build farms, because you have to have kelp to build farms. I've ran into it a couple times where I was like, man, I'd like to build a farm, right. but i got to keep that kelp, feed my cities. So, I guess we can get into that. Like, what can you build? Um, I explained to you how a turn works. You play a card, pick an action. What these actions are doing a lot of time is giving you resources you can use to build with. Just like in production, you're earning more resources, but you need them during the game, too. Um there are cities, which I would say are sort of the main part of the game. There's so many ways to make points, but the cities are a big deal. Mm-hmm. There's the white cities, and then there's the red cities. And these are cool plastic domes. Uh, we'll get more into the components in a minute. but They are cool. The white ones, they do the same thing as far as end-of-game scoring, but the red ones actually score, I think it's a point every production, or three points every production phase. I think it's almost like double what the white cities make, I feel like. You know, you know why I'm having a hard time remembering some of these little things is the game does a great job of having it printed right on your own little player That's board. That's true. I'll so you don't have to think about it. You're like, okay. Yeah, your turn, or, your turn order is on the main board, and then yeah. on your little personal board, you've got how each production phase is broken down, which is definitely really helpful when you're in a multi-step kind of game yeah. like this. So cities... Um, well, anyways, it doesn't matter. The, the red ones are better, so you might as well build a red one. They're more expensive. They are more expensive. Um, this part, you know, if you started out in gaming with Settlers of Catan, I think this is going to remind you of that a little bit. Have you played that? Yeah, um, only not very often, not very many times though. So I don't. It's been years since I played it. I feel like I played it over quarantine at some point last year. 
But you're kind of like a ton- Catan. You're building cities and roads. In this game, you're building tunnels and cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's cities. And then there's tunnels that are totally necessary because you've got to connect your cities if you want. Like you have a starting city. Everybody has a starting city. But if you want your other cities to count for anything, they have to be connected to that starting city. So you're going to have to build tunnels. One um, of the, the nice things, I feel like, too, though, when you when we kind of get into the building, the things around the cities, which is the farm, the lab, the desalinization plant, yeah. you can actually build ahead of yourself before mm-hmm. the production phase. You can build kind of... So it's more like a, your board is like a grid. And so you can go three to four directions pretty yeah. much any time. Um, and so you can build one direction ahead of yourself, mm-hmm. as but that's not going to score any points unless you put your city there yeah. before the production phase. So it's kind of nice if you have a card where you get an extra something mm-hmm. and you got to put it somewhere. It's not like you waste that. You can actually put yeah. it ahead of yourself as long as you remember to go back and put your city in. Yeah, that's a good point. The game does a good job of not making you feel too constrained. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're not locked out of building this desalination plant if you got the stuff to do it. It's just not going to do you any good until you connect it, basically. One of my favorite things about more complex games is the option to choose. I hate games where I feel stifled. And, yeah. Like, I only can do one thing on one turn, and then if I can't do that one thing, I'm ruined. And that's one yeah. of the reasons. I know we kind of briefly mentioned Terraforming Mars, but um, that's one of my favorite things about Terraforming Mars is you literally go until you're done. Yeah. Um, you just play actions and play actions until you can't anymore, which is definitely not how this is. It's a lot more structured, but yes. kind of a similar feel as far as there's always something you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. even if somebody blocks where you're going, which I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but only one person can go oh, yeah, that's, on each action. The action slot's definitely very mm-hmm. worker placement. You can't, yeah, you can't go somewhere somewhere else has already been, and that is... This is a very, uh, uh, I don't know if competitive is the right word. There is good player interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's not a lot of like attacking or take that stuff, which I, I don't like that stuff, honestly. Like things that are just like target this player, take stuff from them. You definitely don't get anything from going against each other whatsoever. No. The interaction is, I really need to go to this space, but I know Kelby wants it to. What am I gonna do? That's kind of where it plays into looking ahead too and paying attention to what people are doing in yeah. their own cities. You know, once you get familiar with the game, you can kind of start yeah. paying more attention to what everybody around you is doing, and then it makes you more intuitive to, oh, hey, they're probably gonna snag that, so I don't need to base my whole decision around that. You got to be careful in a game like this because you'll you'll spend the whole length of waiting for your turn to come around planning something mm-hmm. out, and then the person before you will snag that action, and it just ruins everything you were planning. So yeah. you can't get too caught up on that. No, the and that you know that's one of the great things about this game is it's so even without my fancy upgrades, which again I'm going to tell you exactly where to get them, and maybe if you already have the game and love it, you know you might want to look into it. But even without the fancy upgrades, the player boards are so three dimensional that once you play it a time or two, I can tell exactly what Kelby has going on. There's no question. Oh yeah, she's got two red cities and a white city. She's, she don't have tunnels to that one. She has tunnels to the other ones. She's got three desalination plants a kelp farm you know whatever it you can tell from a glance um i love that about it the game is so focused on your individual board and building your city up um and everything really supports that so basically you got the cards there is a lot of card play um you always will have three cards in your hand right well not necessarily no you can have more just at the beginning of your yeah, the beginning of your turn, you you discard down to three. I'm trying to think if you could ever have less. I can't remember if there's certain ways. You're usually going to have at least three. 
Um, I don't know if you can have less than three. Anyways. No, you have to draw up to three if you have less, I think. You always draw one. So if you found a way to play an extra card, which there might be certain ways to do that. That's possible. There's a lot. There's no way to really remember all the actions. No. But, there's a ton of variety in the game. Yeah, but there's pretty good. If, if it's really confusing, the symbolism on the cards, they have good explanations that once you know the game, it's pretty right. simple to figure out. So the cards, you're playing exactly one every turn. And there are three eras in the game to represent the three production phases. And so era one cards, this is kind of like Seven Wonders, the era one cards tend to be weaker than era two. Once you get to era... Era? Era. <laughs> Once you get to era three, um, they tend to focus more on scoring points. You know, that that is a little bit like Seven Wonders. Yeah. But the cards just get cooler and cooler, basically. But there's always four different types of cards. The lightning bolts are the instant effect cards. And, for example, this one I have, it says smuggling. Um, we can talk about the art, but the art on the cards is really good. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you not paying attention and then you suddenly like are like, oh, wait, this actually goes along with what, it's, what the card is. Yeah. All the art's different for each thing. It's pretty neat. Yeah, they didn't skimp on the art. Um, mm. <laughs> that is one area. Terraforming, Terraforming Mars gets ripped on for that, and this definitely has an edge there. Um, although I don't hate the art on Terraforming say, Mars. It wasn't, I mean, I've definitely had I think it worse. fit the theme well. Um, some people rip on it just I don't know. Maybe they think it's juvenile. Well, some of it I think is actual complexity. pictures instead of like illustrations, which I don't know. Love it or hate it. I don't even remember. Yeah, love it or hate it. I don't think you're going to have any complaints about the art on these. But the instant cards, for example, trade in one kelp for three credits, which is three money. Then you've got ongoing effect cards. They have the little um, uh, infinity symbol. And this is basically whenever you do something, you get something else. For example, this one's called Embassy. Federation track. Federation track, yeah. It's on there, sorry. So the Federation track is basically a track on the board that has little bonuses on it, but it's also how you decide who goes first in the next round. And you can do things to move up this track. But um, to compare it to, say, uh, Grand Australia Hotel, which is one of my absolute favorite games, that has a political track. Don't think that if you played that game. This is nothing like that. It's not like some big penalty if you don't go to this track. If you just want to go first, if you're tired of not going first, you need to pay attention to it. That's basically what it comes down to. And some, um, so this game, there's so many ways to get points. Some of the other cards might play off of that. So, like, you might get a card that says, if you're on this point in the Federation track, you get something for being there. So then you would kind of focus more on that than you would maybe normally. Right, and so... Like, the instant cards will go away right away. These will stay in your area. So, like, every time you advance on the Federation track to the third space, you get an additional credit. So, those you need to keep in front of you and just remember. I want to say, compared to, like, Terraforming Mars or even some other games I played with a lot of cards, even by the end of the game, you don't have a ridiculous number of cards in front of you. It's pretty manageable, I think. You're only allowed to have four action cards. Four action cards, yes. So, you have to rotate those out, so... Right, and you're just not going to have these go away. The lightning bolts go away, the mm-hmm. instant cards. So you're just not going to have that much. Uh, the action cards, talk about those next. This is like having your own action space on the board, except it's just yours. These tend to be powerful, but you can only use them once per... Production. Per Yeah, so three times during the game, mm-hmm. if you play them at the start. One time per era. Um, but like this one says, every time you build... Um, or sorry, you can just pay one or two science, which is one of the resources, to upgrade one or two of your structures. 
So basically, it's it's like having two upgrade actions in your own personal area. So one of the reasons the action cards are so great is because, you know, if you get to a point where you're stumped because somebody blocked you, one, or two, you know, everything that you do in the game has to be based on those actions that you are placing your, your token on. So if, the, if you know, you want to build something, but you also still have to get the resource to build it, and you can't do both in the same turn... Figuring out how to kind of balance yeah. that to use your action cards because you can't, you can't get resources, you can't build, you can't upgrade, you can't move. I mean, you can't get cards. You can't do anything unless you use those actions on the board. Yeah. So that the, having the extra action cards and kind of trying to build that up is helpful because it just gives you more you can do in a turn, whereas you mm-hmm. wouldn't normally get that. And also, when you get rid of them, you get to do them what one last time immediately. Yeah. So you can only have them. four in front of you. And anytime you play a new one, and if that would take you over the limit, you can choose to replace one. And as that one goes away, they do one last action for free, even if right. they're already used. So that is cool. Um, the action cards, just like you were saying, they're kind of like a jam, get out of a jam. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what they are. Like, I don't know if I can get this done. Oh, yeah, I can use this action card. So, yeah, they, they're just really cool. And they're not all fabulous, though. Some of them no, are some are junky. way better than others. Yeah. Because they're colored just like the other ones. Like, the green ones tend to be really good. The mm-hmm. red ones tend to be weaker. Yellow tends to be in the middle. Um, the last type of card are the production cards, and they have a little gear symbol. And that just means during the production phase, so three times during the game, you get something. This one's just a credit. It's a C-Vent factory. Um, and you just get a credit every production phase. So those are pretty simple. Um, and, of course, the red ones are the weaker. Yellow and green are the strongest. There are also special cards on the board. They're six face up at the start of every game. They Those six face up ones are the expensive. Um, I think they cost three credits to play them. Uh, they're played like a regular card. They come in all three colors. But as you play them, it costs three credits. They are all based on scoring, in-game scoring. And then you have a deck of regular special cards, which are just... They cost either one or two credits to play, unlike the normal cards, which are free to play. But they're basically more powerful normal cards. Like if you get an action card out of the special deck, it's going to be more powerful. Um, if you get an instant card out of the special deck, it's going to be more powerful. But you got to go to a space. There's only one space on the board to collect these special cards. And then you got to play them like any other card. You know, so you got to match the color of an action space, just like any other card. And as you play them, and this is probably the most forgotten rule for me in the whole game, you got to pay that either one, two, or three credits as you play them. Because every other card in the game is free to play. You just play it out of your hand. Um, that is a big difference from Terraforming Mars. You're not buying the cards, per se. But, but the, also, you're not earning earning currency on the same level. No. Even a little bit it's of not Terraforming about that, Mars. Yeah. So it balances out, you know, for both of them, I feel like. Right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you can just do whatever you want. It's just, that's not really a part of the game. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the cards. Did you have anything else to say about the cards? Uh, well, not necessarily about the cards, more about the action spaces. There is mm-hmm. um, one that people can go to infinitely. So, yes. So, essentially, if you were really terribly blocked, you can go to this one space that's never full. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's, don't you give... You either give you up cards get rid for of the money. Card. Yeah, but yeah. you get money for that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can basically turn in cards 
for money, which is kind of just a nice thing to have. I've played a couple other games where there's something similar, where if you feel totally blocked, everybody can right. kind of go there. I don't remember what game. Maybe does Grand Austria Hotel have something like that? Last Wheel actually had something okay, like that, that which was the same designer. Yeah. It was the Opera House, I believe, or something, where you just earn like right. $2. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, if you're playing a four-player game, which we have not, I should say that. I played one. It has a solo game. I, we played with Kurt. We haven't. Yeah, because he was because we were going to do it all on the same night, weren't we? Pretty sure we played with him once. Well, I've been feeling bad this whole time because I felt he still hadn't played it. But I have had a really bad memory lately. Let me text him. <laughs> I think I'm right about this one Pretty because sure. I, all right, so basically I played definitely with one, two, and three, but I've heard for some reason a lot of people don't recommend it with four, and I think it's just because it is a longer game. But anyways, We've if you played do, too many games at this point, <laughs> yeah. If you do play with four, though, there is a new space, and this is why I definitely don't think we've done it. There's actually a new space, and it's the copy space. One person can go to this space, and they can copy a space somebody's already blocked, basically. I um, think we did. Does that sounds familiar? Maybe not. Well, we'll my memory's we'll been know. horrific lately. We'll see. <laughs> we'll know in a minute. You also. I forgot he played Isle of Cats. I forgot he played Isle of yeah. Cats. Yeah. Which that I remember now. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> but I've definitely played with one to three. Um, so yeah, I guess the last thing. I guess it's hard to talk about how to play the game and explain it in any way without going a little longer. Um because we have to talk about the building. So the cities, right. like we said, you just pay the resources, put the city out. Um, the cities do you no good unless they're connected by tunnels to your original city. But you also have buildings, is what they're called. And they look like little, um, what is that candy? I have no clue. The little yellow ones look like little, like I don't know, like maybe Werther's urine Originals. Tablets. Yeah, urine tablets. <laughs> look like mints, like thick mints. Oh, they're very small. They are small. They're like little a... Little discs. They're little plastic discs. The white ones are the desalination plants. Yellow's the de No, wait. White ones desalination. Those mints in that round can that had one side would pop up. Oh, Altoids? No, they weren't by Altoid, but they had like watermelon flavored. Icebreakers, maybe. Icebreakers. There we go. That's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Or sweet tarts. (laughs) They're the exact size of sweet tarts. Oh, there we go. They definitely are. I think that's what they I think they're out of the sweet tart mold, honestly, now that I look at them. Yep. That's it. So, yeah, the green ones are kelp farms. They represent farming kelp to feed your people. Yum. Um, Everybody loves a good piece of kelp. The white ones are the de- uh, No, the white ones are the science, which basically represents... Labs. Labs, yep. Mm-hmm. They're labs. And then the yellow is the desalination or deurination. Right. Which is where you're making Definitely drinkable water. Deurination. Basically, bottom line, they cost to build. You build them around your city. There's only, there's only so many slots. There's three slots around each city. But there's extra ones that you can kind of unlock if you get special cards that let you unlock Which them. Which is pretty rare. It is rare, yeah. And if you get, um, sometimes you'll have a card that gives you gives you extra points if you have two of the same. But overall in the game, it's important to note that if you have a variety, you get more points. Yeah. If you have one of each with your city. Um, so, so basically if you have, you know, the white, yellow, and green versus two yeah. green and one yellow or two green and one, you know, whatever... You, you are rewarded for that, but you might have a special card that rewards you for having two of the same, and it might be more worth it. Yeah. And also, if you have two of the same, you get more in production. People with headphones are really loving you right now. Upgrade. Why? But ba- Banging the keep... table. Oh, sorry. My bad. I wasn't going to say anything, but then I felt bad for people with headphones. <laughs> That's was a mistake I made early on. Whoops. Um, we were just playing drums. It's no big deal. Um, with our fists. <sighs> Angrily. 
so yeah, the the buildings are yeah, they're, they're just another part of the game. But the game has such flexibility because I honestly think you can decide. You know what? I just I'm not building a lot of the the uh, laboratories this game. I'm just not going to. You're going to get frustrated because you're going to want the science resource, but you might be able to pull it off. What's the um? Okay, so every board you get a different tile every time. What are those called? You have three of them, and if you connect to them, you get oh, the extra... Metropolis tiles. Yes, yeah, there's so much I, in this game. Keep forgetting. You stuff. know, I very rarely focus on the Metropolis tiles. Like I'm not sure I've ever even. I mean, I yeah. just rarely get there because I'm doing so many other things. But it's nice because you have that option. You know, you can pick yeah. if you want to, to do that. Basically, if you build your city into, it's on, it's in each corner of your board because your city starts in your lower right-hand corner. So there's not one there. But then um, lower left, upper left, and upper right all have these metropolis tiles. Essentially, they give you very, very different things. Um, yeah. Some's end of point, end of uh, game scoring, you know, privileges, some of them's like instant, you yeah. know, victory points or instant, you know, money or something. It's Everybody always starts with one that's always in the top left of your board and it's different than the other two. It's always in-game scoring. And okay. like, Kelby's might be, if you have finished five tunnels by the end of the game, you get five points. If you finish seven, you get seven points. If you finished ten, you get... 12 points or something it's like that. It's just so much work to get over there. Right. I struggle to get you that actually, far across my board. You have to build tunnels to them to activate them, basically. Right. But, again, unlike, and I love Agricola. The only reason I've not played Agricola more is my wife felt it was a little constrictive. Like, she got really bothered by the fact that if she didn't want a farm that's kind of balanced. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. Like she if wanted she, to make a pretty farm. If she didn't want to do... X, Y, and Z. She didn't feel like the game should punish her for it. This one, a spoiler, I guess, since she's not here, my wife really enjoys a lot more because if you don't want to do something, you can probably still do okay. Like, if you're like, Kelby, really? I don't want to bother with the, any of the Metropolis tiles. Mm-hmm. You can probably be okay. Um, there's games I'm like, dang, the game's almost over, and I don't think I've built... I've only built, like, one of one of the building types. But you just know that, so you're like... I'm going to have a hard time. If I've not built the desalination plants, I'm going to be low on money because those are what earn you the credits. If you haven't balanced it out, it's probably your fault, not the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have opportunities to. Um, Did we talk about upgrades yet? So then you can upgrade the three buildings we just mentioned, the green, and white, and yellow, and the tunnels. the tunnels can all be upgraded. Basically, why would you want to do that? Because every production phase, it really increases what they give you. One of them actually gives you a victory point if you've got it upgraded. I think it's a tunnel, isn't it? The tunnel gives you credits if you upgrade it, I believe, right? Or is that a star? Regular one. Oh, you're right. Yep, you get credits regardless. Gives you a victory point, I think, if it's upgraded. You're right. See, if the game does such a good job. No, you're right. He didn't play underwater cities. Oh, good. I'm sorry about something. So, (laughs) yeah, you get credits from tunnels. That's one of the main ways you can earn money besides the desalination plants. But if you upgrade them, you also get a point. Uh, the kelp farms. I think it's just one kelp that each kelp farmer earns. But if you've upgraded it, it's worth more. And if you have two upgraded of the same type of building on a given city, it gives you a bonus. So you can really rack up on stuff. Um, so that's why you want to upgrade. Um, the cities can't be upgraded. They just are what they are. And the only way you can upgrade is with science. I don't know if we already talked about that. Yes, yeah, so the science, which... The main way and you earn one action space basically that lets you right. do that. 
<laughs> so it's highly sought after. Yeah, there's a sought after action space that lets you upgrade. Um, and that's why, for example, I mentioned that action card earlier that has an upgrade on it. That's why those cards can be so important. Um, but yeah, so literally everything in the game has a purpose. There's no resource that's kind of just whatever. The, the the credits you're wanting to use constantly to build stuff. Um, the the kelp you have to have to feed your people. Um, the how do you get the biomatter? I can't ever remember the I biomatter. How you get the biomatter? Because I've gone whole games and barely gotten any. But I believe the only way uh, to get the biomatter... Upgraded desalination plant, isn't it? I think it is, yep. Yep. I think... It has to be upgraded, though. Yep, upgraded desalination plants so and you're occasionally not, maybe a card. So you're not going to get any biomatter until at least the first production phase unless you get it on a card. Which I don't think I mentioned. The biomatter is literally just a wild resource. I mean, that's what it is. And so. you have to have it to build red cities. You cannot build red cities you're without right. it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even, yeah, even the biomatter is necessary if you want to do everything. Yep. Yeah, so... But the good news is what I started out explaining. Start your turn by discarding down to three cards. Play a card at the same time you go into action space and do the action and do the card if the colors match. Then draw a card. That's your turn. Because everything else we've been going on about, plus some stuff we've left out, is really nicely laid out, for the most part, on your little reference card. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And not only is that stuff, like the cost of building a tunnel is on your reference card. The cost of building cities on your reference All that's on your reference card. That is kind of like Settlers of Catan, where you had that little card that shows you what stuff costs. Order of production is also on there, which is important. Yep. When yeah. you go to the production phase, which I'll go and say is probably the most fiddly part of the game. It only happens three times, but you need to follow the order listed on your reference sheet. Um because there's a lot of things that happen under production phase. Which Trevor gets frustrated and has to remind everybody 800 times. Yes. Did you follow the order? Did you follow the order? If something is wrong, you probably did not follow the order. And nine times out of ten, we didn't. <laughs> and see, I'm weird in that. I'm not looking for people to be cheating. Because, and this isn't, I'm not just saying this to be like, you know, some people say, my only problem is I'm too humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I legit <laughs> don't mind if somebody accidentally gives themselves a point or two. Because that just makes me feel even better if I won. What I do, <laughs> which might be arrogant, but what I don't like is for somebody to cheat themselves of points, and then for me to feel like, well, did I really win? You know. So. So nine times out of ten, just a fun fact: anytime I play a new game with Trevor and Anna, I usually win, and it's because Trevor is so focused on trying to make sure that I'm playing the game right that yeah, he does not true. give himself. Enough time or credit decisions. to do the right thing when because he's so stressed that I'm not going to play it right. So then I I'll, literally, almost, I think almost every time we've ever played a new one. Now the second time we play it, he'll win. But usually the first time he's so stressed about making sure I'm playing it right that it's, yeah, for my benefit, not for his. Just for, hey, wait, yeah. did you do that? Wait, did you do this? Wait, you're supposed to do that. I guess there's two reasons. One, if I win, I want to know I actually won. So I don't want people to cheat themselves. And two... If people decide they like a game or don't like a game, I want it to be fair. Like, and if you're constantly cheating yourself of points, I feel like you might be unfair on the game because you feel like you just were struggling the whole time. This might be totally off of topic, but to speak of not liking a game, what was the game that we played I'm directly after that. this that was horrible? Sorry for banging. <laughs> yes, I, I actually thought I meant to write that down. I wanted to bring called? that up. Aquasphere. Oh, so, gosh, Aquasphere. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about that now. <laughs> I think that's dur- <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about the rules. Yeah. Um, Aquasphere 
It was a game that, like Underwater Cities, the theme kind of drew me in. Stefan Feld is a master game designer. I've only played two of his games, but I pretty much love both of them. What are those two? Because I don't know if um, I've played them. Have I played them? Castles of Burgundy you've played, right? No. That wasn't... Oh, you didn't. Castles of Burgundy. I have played any of his. Castles of Burgundy is a great game. I haven't played that one. It plays great with two, and it's still good with three. Um... Luna is the other one, which I'm pretty sure you haven't played because I've not played nope. it as much. But Luna is an odd, quirky game, but I love it. So I thought the chances of me not liking um, Aquasphere was small because I love the thing. And it's quirky. Sounds awesome. But yeah, what was your experience with so, that one? Okay, so initially we were really tired. It took us forever. We had been trying to start the game for like two hours, I feel like. Miles was newborn, I think. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so and, he was An- and so there. Anna kept going up and trying to get him. To, he wasn't going to bed. We were interrupted yeah. multiple times during giving the directions <clears throat> to the game during gameplay. Like it was so. After we played it the first time, we were all like, "This game stinks." And then we were like, "Okay, maybe, maybe it's not the game. Maybe it's just us." So we played. Yeah, it. we played it like two more times, and we all still equally hated it. So, it was yeah. just not <clears throat> intuitive. It was very, I just had a hard time. I felt very constricted, which I don't like in games. Yeah. And, you know, it had it had so many elements, but they didn't really, because it was so almost sci-fi-y, like there was no really good theme where it uh-huh. all flowed together. It was like there was these weird things that if you didn't get them out, you lost points, but then you were supposed to be a scientist, but then you're supposed to be in a lab, but then you're robots, and it was just like so confusing. Oh, man, yeah. So, Luna, by the same designer, is a game where the theme is literally, I'm going to have a hard time even remembering, but this priestess is walking around inspecting your islands, and you've got monks studying on these islands, and there's a council in the middle of the board, but somehow the theme works and actually helps the game instead of hurting it. Aquasphere was so... Mechanical, and I think we played it right after we played Underwater Cities too, That's which didn't too. help because Underwater Cities is so streamlined and yeah. well done that we were just like, "What is even happening?" I don't even remember. Did it have cards? I've blocked. Most no, of it. it didn't have cards. <laughs> it basically had no luck, if I remember right, virtually none, which isn't a bad thing in itself. But oh man, it was a slog. And after the first game, I thought. Okay, it was a little rough, but I think we're going to like it, you know. And we played it again, and I liked it less after the second game. It was so, just yeah. drogy. It was really hard to get through. It wasn't... I mean, the the art was trying to be there, but the art <laughs> was lacking in it, too. I mean, there just was not... There was so much going so on busy. Yeah. that you couldn't really tell. I mean, it was just so... It was hard, not intuitive. It was just so no. hard to pick up on. So I guess we're doing a little mini-review of Aquasphere here in the middle of... Underwater Cities, which yeah. is fine, because I decided not to give that game an episode, even though it's kind of a meaty game we played, because I just felt like it would just be mean the whole time. But and No offense, and we even talked about, you know, there's probably some people who like this as their most favorite game. We feel like it's yeah. an either you love it or hate it kind of game, because yeah. there was no in-between for all three of us. All three yeah. of us despised it, and that's, yeah. sometimes if I lose a game the first time, if I'm really, really bad at it, 
I have to play again because I'll I'll kind of get up in my head and be like, well, I don't really like that game, you know. But yeah. it wasn't even like that. I mean, we just yeah, all of none of us felt like we had any direction. The I think whole time. Anna won both games and she didn't care much for it either. No, it was just really confusing. We had to we probably re looked at the directions like every other turn yeah. because we just couldn't and, get a hold of it. It makes me sad because I spent a lot of time really trying to understand the rules and and I didn't think I was going to dislike it after reading the rules, but they were not intuitive or easy to get through Mm -mm. um and i'm a guy who read the rules and played food chain magnate which uh is considered a much heavier game although i really don't feel like the rules were nearly as rough i think i played that one no you haven't anna hasn't either we need to i think the only other games i really have not liked sorry go ahead and finish what you're saying well i was just gonna say but the theme worked so well in Food Chain Magnate, it just worked. An underwater and aquasphere, nothing about what was going on helped you strategize. And by the end of it, you're like, I don't know why I did well or why I did badly. It just was <laughs> so bad. It was not for so, us. You know, like yeah. underwater cities or terraforming Mars, you're working towards like the the theme is is like achievable. You know, like, it's like you're working towards building a metropolis of some sort. And, you know, Terraforming Mars, you're working on, obviously, Terraforming Mars. And so, like, you have this whole bigger picture. And I felt like that was missing with Aquasphere. Like, there was just no... It had a little... We had our... We did have our little... um, we had little separate boards. Oh yeah, your own little. We had little pod. things you had to get out, and then they but they would come back, and it was oh man, yeah. I don't even know. It was rough. If I felt like I struggled the whole game to do anything. It was a pile of mechanics or mechanisms, and people say that about Stefan Feld games, but I wasn't worried about it because yeah, Castles of Burgundy, everybody loves that game, so okay, don't count that. But Luna is sort of one of his quirkier games. I thought, I'm going to be fine with it. Yeah, but it was just a pile of mechanisms. And the man is a genius. And I thought several times, this is a very clever game. But it's like a, some of those independent movies that are too smart for their own good. I think, like, you know this is kind of brilliant, but it's also not any fun. It was almost like he was just smarter than anybody else. He was trying to show yeah. off. Like, nobody is going to get this. We don't... <laughs> and by the second game, I feel like... I. Since I'm the one that read the rule book like three times, I understood the game. I understood the rules. I knew what I was supposed to do, but none of it ever clicked in my brain. Yeah. And so I decided, nope. So that one went out the door. Um, uh, and it was sad because I was really looking forward to it. If I had to rate it based on my enjoyment of the game and try to block out the fact that it's such a well-respected designer and I know it's a clever game, but just on my enjoyment, it was like... A four out of ten. Oh, shoot, no. And that's actually being generous because (laughs) I like a good meaty Euro game. Um, I don't mind. But, yeah. I don't mind pretty complex games. I I enjoy fairly complex games. I mean, I feel like Underwater Cities is pretty intense. Yeah, it wasn't the complexity. Um, Underwater Cities has like the same quote-unquote weight rating as Aquasphere, if you go by that. No, I don't think I've played like a ten out of ten heavy game. And I don't know if that would have been considered that. Because probably the most intense ones I've played is Underwater Cities and Terraforming Mars. But well, played, yeah. Uh, Grand Austria Hotel is kind of a thing of its own. but Grand Austria Hotel is a heady game. Like yeah. it, it's To me, those games, especially like Grand Austria Hotel, Underwater Cities, 
they're for your average quote unquote gamer. Those are the heavy games. Well, really, for my first heavy one was Terraforming Mars, and now yeah. that one doesn't even seem. It doesn't even seem heavy if you played it a lot. Correct. Not too much, yeah. anyways. But no, I think for most gamers, those are kind of the heavy games. Then you kind of got like the next level. Like I mentioned, Food Chain Magnate, which is it's only that heavy because you literally can do anything. And if you mm-hmm. want to bury yourself in a hole in the first turn, you can do that. Whereas even underwater cities, I don't think you could ruin your whole game on the first turn. Because nah. you're still going to get something. Yeah. And you're you, still going to be able to use it. It gives you time to work through. You can hire... That. And see, I've only played it once, so I'm going to sound like an idiot to people who played it. But What? Food Chain a Food Magnate. Chain Magnate, yeah. I've never played that one. You could hire a waitress on your first turn thinking, eh, I'll do that. I'll hire a waitress. And you can end up going bankrupt because it was such a bad decision, you know? <laughs> like, that's crazy. That, that's, that's probably a bad example. That may not be quite accurate, but it's something like that. Anyways, getting way off topic. Bottom line, Aquasphere was not for us at all. Nope. But I think that's a good point to go in. Let's talk about the components and art for Underwater Cities. Okay. Um, I'll try to keep this brief, but I'm going to tell you what I purchased to upgrade my copy where you can get it and I'm, but I'm also first just going to quickly review the components of the game just the base game as it comes um, there's a lot in the box there's a lot of pieces um, the parts I really like are the cities themselves which I've not upgraded they're, they're, they're just plastic domes but they're cool it looks like a dome from like a sci-fi movie that would go in an underwater city the red ones and the white ones. They also remind me a little bit of like force fields. Yeah. I don't know why, but I yeah. get because they're like, you know, half domes, you know, well, right. that's what a dome is, but like they're half yeah. circles. That, that, they probably either represent a force field or I guess glass, whatever they're yeah. using under the city. Super I like cool. those. The quote unquote buildings, I've not upgraded. I don't think you really can because they got to fit in the little circles. But I mean, they look you like. Probably 3D print anything. Yeah. It'd be tiny. They'd though. be tiny, yeah. They look like sweet tarts, sort of, but they're translucent. I like them. I wouldn't want to upgrade them, honestly, because they're just, they're quaint, but I like them. When you upgrade them in the game, you stack them on top of each other, too, so that yeah. would be an element that would be different if you had to buy a piece or something. Right, yeah. It, it, yeah. I have no desire to upgrade or change those. Um, those are the two kind of standout pieces in the original game. Then you've got the tunnels, which are just, they're tiles, they're cardboard tile tunnels, they're fine. They're blue on one side to show the upgraded side, yellow on the other. Um, nothing wrong with it. Then you've got all the resources look like my 3D ones, except they're just cardboard. The science are just cardboard vials. The kelp is just cardboard kelp. They're fine. I know a lot of people complained. Like the one kelp is just a kelp. The three kelp <laughs> looks like three of the ones stuck together. So people grab at those thinking they're grabbing a single piece, but they're actually a three-piece. I, w- I also still even get very confused even with the upgrades because I'm used to one fives and tens in, yeah. in games. And uh, so I get confused with the ones and threes. I have to it be is a little, yeah, frequently. odd. Um, the cards, I mean, I still leave my cards for one thing. I just can't shuffle. If I don't, they're, they're pretty basic. Most games that have this many cards, they're not like linen finished or anything. Um, I like I said, I sleeve my cards just in the cheap penny sleeves, uh, the Mayday sleeves. 
But I would say they're about standard. You know, they're nothing special. They're probably of the same quality as Terraforming Mars. Maybe a little better. I think some people complain about those cars, but I also sleeve them, so I've not had any trouble. Um, they're fine. The art on the cards is excellent. We mentioned that earlier. The iconography is great. Um, Last Wheels, a game I mentioned earlier uh, that I really enjoy, but I feel like the iconography on it is trickier, even though this is a heavier game for sure. Um, and that's an odd comparison. It's just the same designer. The iconography on the cards is really good. The art is really good. And what I like about it is as much as this game has going on, there's not a ton of information on the cards. So the art takes up like 80% of the card. Yeah. So I love that. And honestly, I don't even think I noticed the art until the last time that we played, which was probably the third time I played. And then you start yeah. realizing like it kind of brings uh, brings the theme all together in your brain if you're looking at them because yeah. obviously it's all underwater you know, ships and, you know, inventions, and it's pretty neat. Yeah. And this is, yeah, these underwater cities are obviously pretty complex because there's, like, convention centers and, yeah, and stuff like that. Uh, so I really like the art on the cards. Um, Lots of variety, too. You're not going to see the same oh, yeah. picture very often. Yeah, there's not a lot of repeats. Um, are there any re- I don't know if there's any repeats. There's some that are really similar. Um. Let's see. The special cards really look just like the regular cards, except they have an S on the back for special. Um, I like the... Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the credits. They're just cardboard money. It's fine. Um, the board itself, the main board, I've not upgraded that, obviously. It's just the main board. The main board is sort of plain. like It doesn't have a lot of detail on it, and that is good. Because it has a ton of useful stuff on it. And space for all the face-up special cards and the face-down special cards. It has space for the little uh, Federation track. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which yep. is basically turn order. It has a score track around it. Most importantly... Wait, does it have a score track around it? Uh-uh. No, because you don't really... You don't really... Uh, there's no score track, period. There's not a score track. There's not even a way to keep track of it. Wow. Huh. Because, yeah, you don't no, have to. there is. Yeah, yeah there, there is. is. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah there's totally a score, score track. track. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You get instant points, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a score tracker on the outside, like we said. Small detail also, but cards, back to cards quickly. Arrow cards are a different color. They all have the same picture. But oh, yeah. The different arrow cards are a different color and have the numerical. Yeah, the backs of the cards are a different color and say one, two, or three. So yep. super easy to separate them because you might end up with in your hand or in your play area some era two and three cards and one card obviously you will so they're easy to separate that's good um the board is simple in design but the main thing on the board is all the action spaces all around it and they're clear um it's just well designed and then sort of the star of the show which i'll get into um the expansion in a second because it makes that star shine a lot brighter (laughs) the star of the show to me is your individual player boards because it's so satisfying to build your own city. And these individual player boards have detail. It looks like sort of an ocean floor. Um, and it basically gives you a place to put your cities and tunnels and buildings. Um, Everything is indented. So Well, on the I'll let you talk about that. Because on the base oh. game, they're just sheets. Oh. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. They're just cardboard <laughs> sheets. But this is not an upgrade, technically. So yeah, in the base game, 
They're just sheets. Like in Terraforming Mars, mm-hmm. the most annoying thing is you can bump things and slide it around. But yeah. it's nowhere near as bad as that. Terraforming Mars and people have given old Stephen Bonacore a lot of garbage for this. So I won't give him any more. But I felt like I had to upgrade that game because I was tired of the cubes sliding everywhere. Yeah. This is not that bad. You can usually figure out where it went. Mm -hmm. In Terraforming Mars, you might lose 30 resources in a breath because you knocked a cube (laughs) over. Like, oh my gosh, where was this cube cube at? That's very true. This is not so bad. I mean, you got the big domes. The worst thing is the buildings. When you upgrade them, they stack on each other. Um, And without an end in a board, they can slide around. Not a big deal. But um, I think that's all I'll say about the components because the first thing is there's an expansion to this game. It's called New Discoveries. Let me get the negative out of the way first, and then I'll let Kelby talk about the boards because she's not even seen the boards that came in the original game. Mm-hmm. This expansion is like $5 less than the base game. That's a tough pill for some people to swallow, understandably. But, yeah, how the boards as you've experienced them. So the boards came with the expansion? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, basically, everything's just indented. So your mm-hmm. your um, your globe, which is your city, kind of fits perfectly in its little circle. All your tunnels have its own indention. Um, all of your buildings around and then your extra spot for your extra building. And, yeah, it's all just very nicely. You can just plop mm-hmm. everything down in there. I don't know that I've paid a whole lot of attention to the background. That might be... Well, uh, yeah, the, I, th- I think the background... It looks just as good in the original game. Yeah. The, the difference is they're thick and they're indented. They're double, what do they call it? Well, double thickness boards. Um, double layered, there's the word. It's, it's just a godsend. <laughs> Nothing's going to slide around. Um, the only thing that could possibly move, short of an earthquake, is you can knock an upgraded building off. But your lower part of the building is going to stay in its indention, so you can just put it right back on there. Um, I love these indented boards. So the expansion... Quick review of it, because it's not going to get its own episode. Um, it includes several things. And yes, it's expensive. The game retails for 70 and the expansion retails for 65 So realistically, online prices, you're going to pay about 50 and 45 Not a cheap game if you want the expansion. And I would normally not recommend this, but if you like the game at all, just bite the bullet. Or if you really like the game. If you don't like the game that much, then don't worry about it. You'll play it once a year and whatever. If you really like the game, just do it. And I think I can just make that sweeping statement. Because here's what you get. Half of the expansion, you'll put it in. Literally, I put half of the expansion in before I ever played the game a single time. And I never took it out again. And you don't need to. First of all, you have replacement boards for all the boards in the base game. Double-sided double layered with the nice indentions super thick the ones in the base gamer they're not quite paper but they're not even like cardboard either they're like they're like just like the ones in Terraforming Mars yeah like cardstock essentially yep super nice boards not only replacing all the ones in the base game but ones that are unique to the expansion um, which we've not even played on because we've not even played that module Mm. so there's like a bunch it's at least eight double sided boards in this box then you get probably the most essential expansion, which unfortunately this should have maybe been released on its own for like 15 bucks, but it wasn't. Terraforming Mars had the Prelude expansion, which basically speeds the game up a little bit. This has something similar in the expansion, 
they're called quick start tiles, and it's just tiles. You essentially skip the first round, which is just kind of a slow round where not a lot happens. You skip the whole first round of the game, and you. I think the game only has ten rounds, so that's substantial. And you start with extra resources, but like you draft those at the start of the game. So like Kelby might start with an upgraded city and some extra kelp or something, whereas I might start with a city a city that already has two labs on it or something. Depending on who chooses first, also depends on turn order. Yeah. So if you choose that your special tile first, you're going to go last. Yeah. Which evens it out. So that's included. Then you've got new assistance, which is basically a special ability that only you have for the whole game. Super nice. Yes. Basically, it's an action card that you start the game with. But they're very good action cards. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not in the base game. Everybody starts with a very generic one in the base game. They're all the same. And this one, everybody starts with a different one. You totally get rid of the ones in the base game. Similar to corporations in Terraforming Mars. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Yep. Yep. So you've never played with the base ones, but basically it's just... We all get the same thing. Right. So this, everybody starts with a unique special ability. That's cool. And I don't think I've ever replaced my starting action card because it's so good. Um, then you just get a pile of cards that you add into every deck. Era 1, Era 2, Era 3, special cards. A whole pile of cards. There's no reason to ever take them out of the game, which is what's so good about this expansion. There's some expansions that honestly... I think they keep me from playing the game as much because I'm like, oh, that just adds complexity and I don't remember how the expansion works. In this one, half the expansion you add in the first time and if like Kelby literally didn't know it was in there. No. She had no idea because nope. it does it adds zero complexity. Everything I mentioned so far. Well the the terminology that you use for the readability of the cards, what's that called? Uh, iconography. Yeah. So, I mean, that basically takes care of that because you yeah. throw in extra cards, but you're already familiar with all the symbols yeah. of the game. So, Like, there's no extra rules for any of the extra cards. It's just right on the card. <clears throat> so, it adds variety, which is what you want in expansion. It be- it beefs up all the decks. It adds the quick start tiles, which for this game, I'll be honest, it could use a quick start, like a jump start. Mm-hmm. It adds upgraded components because the player boards are so much nicer than the base ones. And then it adds multiple other parts, which I've not even played with. But the main one is called the Museum Expansion. And this adds its own separate board with a whole separate aspect that I'm not even going to get into because I've not played with it. But if you truly get tired of underwater cities, they got you covered. The expansion has a whole substantial module that you can add in, in addition to everything else I've mentioned. So... I'll be honest, this could have easily been two media expansions in one. The box, when you get it, weighs as much as the original game box. Um, and I've actually put everything in the expansion box. Um, and basically, what you're taking out of the base game, if you buy the expansion, you're taking out those lame starting assistant cards, getting the new ones. And then you're taking out the lame, flimsy player boards and getting the new thick ones. Everything else you just keep from the base game... You add it all together, you never think about it again. And if you want it, you got the museum expansion you can add in later. And there's something called Metropolis Race, which is like a variant to the Metropolis tiles. Mm. Bottom line, I'll go and tell you, I'm fully recommending the expansion. I'm so glad I decided not to cheap out on it, because I actually think we would enjoy the game less without it. If nothing else, it's just practical 
to not be knocking these things around. And yeah, I think I paid like 40 bucks, 45 bucks for the expansion. I think I paid about that much for the indented boards for Terraforming Mars, mm-hmm. just from like an Etsy seller. And you're actually getting expansion content with this. It's not just upgraded boards. So yeah, it's a no-brainer. So that being said, I've went on too long about this, but the components for, for Underwater Cities, there's a lot of them, and I really think they're cool. The domes and all the plastic pieces are cool. Um, but it could have been improved with the player boards. And everything else is fine. It's what you'd expect from a Euro-style game. The expansion just kind of takes it up to the next level. Um, so, then, real quick, MeepleSource.com. And it's still in stock. I just looked. Underwater Cities uh, Deluxe Upgrade Kit. In fact, I'm going to tell you exactly what it's called. You go to... Oh, come on. Pull up notes. You go to MeepleSource.com, and I'm not shilling for them. You can also go to Etsy, but MeepleSource is simple because if you go there, I know you're getting the right ones. It is called the 3D Printed Upgrade Kit for Underwater Cities, 112 pieces. You can also get a smaller set that does not include the subs, but you need the subs. They're cool. Yeah, for sure. This includes three awesome 3D printed plastic subs for each player. Orange, blue, purple, and black. It includes the most cool little plastic pieces I think I've ever seen in a game. Um, There's vials, like beakers for the science that represents the science. The, The... Steel plast. I didn't even mention the steel plast earlier. It's basically mm-hmm. a, a steel resource. Um, they're just crazy cool looking sheets of steel plast. You have to have them for tunnels and building, uh, I think initially building labs, you have to have them. Probably, yeah. The biomatter is literally starfish. <laughs> um, the kelp looks like kelp. It's all very detailed and textured as well. Yep. Like the starfish have little bumps on them. It's pretty cool. And then the tunnel. Sorry, I interrupted and, you. And now I'm seeing the tunnels, apparently. I think I got those separately. Oh, you did get the tunnels separately. Because yeah. I remember you didn't have them ordered, and we yeah. were excited to get them. Yep. The tunnels are less necessary, but they're pretty cool. The tunnels were like 8 eight or 10 bucks. They they're weren't a lot. They're legitimately a tunnel. Like, you can look through them. Yeah. So, for 112 pieces, the kelp, steel plast, biomatter, science, plus the submarines, $29.00. On top of a game that's already cost you probably about a hundred bucks mm. if you bought the expansion, and you start to realize, huh, this has become a really expensive game. But because of all this, we're getting to get into the review. It's also become one of the games I most look forward to playing. Totally, let me be clear. If you want to spend some extra money on underwater cities, but you just can't do all this right now, get the expansion. I love the pieces. But I think the expansion just... I think those player boards just make the game better. I've never played it without the expansion. So any yeah. any of my opinion on any of it is totally biased to the expansion. And I don't... I will say, because we've not actually played any of the content from the expansion that quote-unquote expands it to new things. I don't think your opinion would be a lot different unless the player boards annoyed, annoyed you. Yeah. Because it just adds more bulk to the decks, basically. And the quick start is nice, but I don't think you would significantly hate the game more or anything. No. But I don't know. I think if you if you've already played the game and love it, buy the expansion. And if you still love it, go to Meeple Source. Twenty nine bucks, get the upgrade kit. Another thing is, if you're going to play it all the time, I mean we we've probably played it. We've definitely played it more than some of the other games we played. Usually, you know, we yeah. get in a good heavy game 
one time in a weekend, you know, or a you know weekend night. But not yet. We have played this one like twice in a night. We've came back the next day and played it another time, and you know, it's just a, it's a good game, fun. I've played it nine times, which for a game that's a two-hour meaty game for me is really good. Mm-hmm. Considering I don't think I played it the first time until last year. I've probably played it at least four or five. Yeah, I think you were there for like five of them. Yep. <clears throat> so, okay. <laughs> That's the complex way to say the components are pretty good in the base game, really good in the expansion, and just awesome if you go to Meeple Source and buy those tokens. But let's get into a quick review of our overall thoughts of the game. Wow, my mouth is dry. You can go first. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, you know, I, there's some games that I really totally adore. I have a few that I absolutely do not like at all. Some I have tried multiple times and still do not like. But usually games of this level, I I just enjoy, period. So Terraforming Mars is, is one of my most absolute favorite games. I've played it multiple times. It's a great as a two-player game. Um, just love it. Um, so this is right up there with Terraforming Mars, in my opinion. Um, I would probably give Terraforming Mars a 10 out of 10, whereas I would give this a 9 out of 10, just because I'm a little partial to yeah. to just the way Terraforming Mars flows. But, and this one is a little bit more, it's a little harder to learn. It's a little bit harder to learn than, um some of the other games I've played. But once you know it, and if you're if you're already familiar with this type of game, it's not, you know, it's not difficult. And it's also it's also really easy to come back and play again without having to go back over the whole instruction book. Um, but overall, yeah. I'd give it, I mean, I don't know how generous you usually are scoring, but I'd definitely give it a 9 out of 10, in my opinion. Yeah, we've honestly, I gave up on, Anna doesn't like the whole rating things from 1 to 10. I do. So, sometimes I don't even rate a game, but I, I like going 1 to 10, so I'm going to do that. Um, I think I'm just the exact flip of you. Terraforming Mars is unashamedly one of my favorite games. And I say that because it has become so popular that like Ticket to Ride, like so many other games, mm-hmm. it's kind of popular to, to pretend like, oh, I never liked it that much. It, it's a great game. Um, why? And, and here's the other thing. If you have Terraforming Mars, you could totally still buy this game and not be wasting money. If you have this game, you could totally still buy Terraforming Mars. Oh, absolutely. They're incredibly different games. It's true. The reason they got compared is, for one thing, you're building something. Mm-hmm. On the other, and on the other thing is the card play. The big difference between the two games from a, like a strategic standpoint, I feel like, and I probably played Terraforming Mars... A dozen times or so. I've actually played it a couple times solo. It's pretty fun. I think the big difference is Terraforming Mars, to me, is all about the tactics. Okay, here's what I got in my hand. I'm making my decisions right now. Here's what I'm doing. It's not that you can't plan long term, but I do think for someone who really needs long term strategy, maybe Terraforming Mars wouldn't be what they're looking for. That's true. And it's really about doing what you got with your hand. Yeah. And you're just whizzing through a hand. Like that's a weird way to put it. But Which is what yeah. I I think that's what I love so much about it. I like yes. I like how fast paced it is as well. Underwater Cities 
feels much more like a board game. Terraforming Mars, I love that it has the board, and that's one of my favorite things about it. I, I just I need a board in my board games. I'm just weird. But Underwater Cities is a board game first. It's a strategy Euro board game with a really cool thing that a thing that works. That also has really good card play. Terraforming Mars, which is really funny. They're releasing Terraforming Mars the card game, which I don't oh. understand because isn't that what Terraforming Mars is already? That being said, I would like to play it if it's good, but this is not a card game. This is a board game that has a cool and strong card element to That's it. That's very true. As well, Terraforming Mars does not have worker placement. No, and this is definitely a worker yeah. placement game. You can't. This has so much going on, but at its heart, it's a worker placement city building game. And I would say those two come before the card play, and then card play is third, and then so on. Um, so bottom line is you can plan... You can totally say, this is what I'm going to do this game. And no matter what cards you're drawing, you can kind of stick with the strategy. You need to be flexible, but it's not like Terraforming Mars where it's kind of silly to just pick one thing and go with it. You can have a strategy in this game, and I really think it can work for you. So I think it's a much more strategic game, and therefore to me it feels... Terraforming Mars felt heavy to me the first couple times I played it. But to me, one of the reasons I love it is it's so black... Yeah, I don't even have to think that hard mm-hmm. when I'm playing, which is kind of good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real game. It's not like a party game or something. Underwater Cities feels heavy every time I play it, and I played it nine times now. That's very true. Um, it's it's a heavier game than Terraforming Mars, but I think it plays so smooth and so quick. The turns are so quick. I mean, it takes a good solid two hours with three players, but to me, it doesn't feel like it. I'm like. No, when you said yeah. earlier that it takes two hours, I was like, what? <laughs> I yeah. thought maybe an hour, but I didn't realize yeah. it took us two hours to play it. That's a high compliment, because I don't think we've ever played it in much in a three-player game in much less than two hours, but yeah. it never feels like it. Yeah. Um, I think you can whip out a two-player game in an hour or so, but uh, the solo game, by the way, is quite fun. I'll always prefer a game with other players, but I did play it once. It works well. Um, uh I think I originally rated Terraforming Mars a nine and a half, so that means either I would have to give this a ten or say Terraforming Mars is a nine. This is a nine and a half. I guess it's silly to argue either way, but clearly I love this game. I spent a lot of money on it. I'm going to go and give it a ten because I hate it when people say you can't give a ten out. That's baloney. If it's one of your favorite games, you should probably be giving it a ten. Because that just represents one of the most fun games you played. One of the coolest things, too, about board games, I think, is how emotionally connected you can get to them. Oh, so yeah. one of the biggest reasons Terraforming Mars is my favorite is just because Kurt and I have played it so oh, yeah. many times together. And so there's a lot more kind of sentimental value to that game for me. Um, and also, I mean, this one we've played multiple times here. And, you know, that's the cool thing about board games is you've got memories attached to them. It's not just, you know, yeah. it's not just about the game. It's about who you're playing with and when you played it and, you know, the, the conversations you had during it. And it's really the beauty of, of playing board games as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to affect each person's individual view of a game as their experience yeah. with, with who they played it with and, you know, how many times they played it and how they felt when they were playing it and all of the above. That, yeah, that's very true. Uh, Ticket to Ride is always going to be one of mine and his favorite games. And I believe that game is... Somebody made a comment earlier. Uh, I actually saw it on video. They said that Ticket to Ride is not their favorite game now. But it probably should be the number one rated game on Board Game Geek. And I'm like, you know what? That is right. Because that is... 
in our modern era of wargaming, that is the definition of a classic. Doesn't mean it's my favorite game now, but it drives me crazy when people hate on something just because it's not as heavy as the games they're playing now. Or, oh, I moved past that. That's so 10 years ago. Anyways, I'm giving Underwater Cities a 10, which is the first 10 I've handed out on the show. And I do like it that much more than I think every other game I've covered on the show so far. Um, it's a game that I've played nine times, and I feel like I've not even not even scratched the surface. Um, when you add the expansion in, there's just so much there. Like You're probably never going to get tired of it. And uh, probably the best thing about it, and I think if Anna's here, she would agree, is by the end of it, you've built something. And you're like, okay, my city's pretty cool. I didn't win, but I pretty much did what I wanted to do. You also never felt like you got nowhere. You know, I've right. played games before where it's like, Spinning okay, gears. Keyflower. That's one of the... I struggle <laughs> with Keyflower. Trevor loves Keyflower. We only played it once. I only played it one time, And you lost fair. badly, which is what should happen the I first time you play badly. that game. I think we played it a second time. Maybe not. But Maybe anyway... Not, I have a tendency to dislike games if I literally am slaughtered by everybody else playing, but it's fine. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know where I was going with that. What was I saying? You feel like you're oh, spinning I wheels like in that I, game. Yeah, I yeah. didn't feel like I got anywhere by the end of it. Um, because, again, I didn't really, pl- I didn't know how to play it, so that's probably fair. But you can probably play Underwater Cities for the first time in your life with a group of people who have played it eight times and still feel like you got somewhere by the yeah. end of it. You still accomplished something, and you can see what you've accomplished. Yep. I totally agree. And I think... Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you should know by now if this is going to be too much for you right now. But if you've played, uh, I don't know, uh, Agricola or... Um, you've reviewed Wingspan on here. Wingspan's pretty... Yeah. There's a lot going on in Wingspan. Yeah, I would say this is it's a step up from Wingspan. But it I definitely think is. If you but can play Wingspan, you can figure this out. This yeah. Definitely if you've played... Um, oh, shoot, what's another? Grand Oscar Hotel. Did I review mm-hmm. that? I don't think mm. I have. I need to. You could definitely Very play this. Very different game, but just kind yeah. of the same amount of elements. You right, know? yeah. I'm trying to think of another good example of something that would be right around this. Anyways, if, if Other you... Other than Terraforming Mars. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If you can play Terraforming Mars, you can definitely play this. 100%. You'll feel like you've thought harder by the end of it, but not in a bad way. Right. So, anyways. Well, I mean... I think that's all I have to say, handing out my first 10. Surely, hopefully, that's all we have to say. <laughs> yeah, my throat is dry. I thought I, I thought I could explain this game and get through it quicker, but I realized you can't even scratch the surface quickly with this game. So. It's a big one, but it's a good one. It's it's worth the... If, you're, if you haven't decided to go buy it, then I'm sorry you just wasted your last hour yeah. and a half listening. <laughs> yeah, go spend, go spend $130 on it. You know, you know the base game, the expansion, it. the upgrades... If you have a 3D um, printer, find you find yeah. you a format and print you some parts. I mean, hey, there's plenty of games coming out now with miniatures that aren't even good games that are like 150 bucks just because they have miniatures. So you get this game bling to the max with a massive expansion. <laughs> the box is literally going to explode like a tick when you try to put it all in one box. If if they even oh. release an expansion that's one card, my box really is going to explode. Analogy. Yeah. Tick so hey, really it's a box full of strategy goodness. So I don't regret spending that on it. But just just buy the base game. 50 bucks. If you hate it, sell it on. And surely if you're listening to this, like you haven't you've played heavier games. It definitely is a heavy game. I mean, I would not yeah. jump from ticket to ride to this game. <laughs> no. But if you're, you know, if you're obviously interested, you've probably played 
you know, some moderately heavy games by this point, but it's definitely a heavier game. And I, I the the beauty of playing games with Trevor is I don't have to read the directions. I have yeah. read the directions on a couple games. I'm really proud of myself for that. Yeah. But that is half the battle. So you know, consider that too. Thanks for saying that. I've got to start adding this because people who write good rule books should be honored. And I guess I'm not going to honor them because I don't know their name. Good rule book. This game could have been a nightmare with a bad rule book, but it's I would say an excellent, excellent rule book. Thank you, whoever wrote it, sir or madam. Um, it's a great rule book and a great game because, if for no other reason, I rarely have to look anything up on the rule book anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it just makes sense once you play it. It flows so well. It's a complex beast that is old to perfection. So unlike Oc- Aquasphere, Aquasphere, it's the opposite of that. I always want to call it Octonauts. I could play Aquasphere <laughs> every day for a week, and would still probably have to look up things TV in the rule book <laughs> because it doesn't flow. On that note, so we've reviewed like four <laughs> games this episode. I think right, right. by the end of it. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Um, please turn the lights out. It is really expensive to get electricity out to the cave here. Um, it's like the people don't want to come out and install new lines out here in the middle of nowhere on this ocean cliff. I'm just adding to it. If I'm going to live in a cave, it's going to be on ocean. So, I like oceans. See you later. Um, sorry this was really long. Any parting words of wisdom? Nope. Thanks for having me, everybody. All right. Bye-bye.